Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. COVID-19 virus has impacted all of us. And as we all know, the world is a very unique and different place than it was just a handful of weeks ago. This, of course, has disrupted much of the world, and it will deeply impact churches. In fact, it'll impact churches in ways much more serious than we even realize right now. Now, we're not trying to be doom and gloom, and we're not attempting to sound alarmist, but this is crucial that pastors pay attention to this new financial reality. Last week, we heard part one of an interview with Dave Briggs on how people can prepare for the new financial reality. In fact, if you missed it, please check the show notes for the link to the conversation or refer back to your podcast list to listen to it. You can also see other resources that we listed on our Kairos Partnership page. If you missed last week's episode, you'll hear about Dave Briggs, who he is, when I introduce him in just a moment, but his experience of almost four decades of financial sector and Christian stewardship ministry background give us confidence to believe that we must address this and share this with you now. While we remain hopeful and expectant in the Lord, we also need to be ready and prepared for the current and future reality that we're facing like never before. Pastors, we must steward this moment well, which also includes stewarding the financial resources entrusted to us at our church. So this episode is to equip you to help specifically you and your congregation prepare for these new days, weeks, months, and years in the life of the church, in the life of your church. In the interview, Dave said this, we're naive if we don't recognize that financially this new economic reality is probably going to be worse than we think. And the reality of it is we are dependent upon the contributions, tithes, and offerings of our people. Our people are being affected. Therefore, our churches are going to be affected too. Now, we won't have a normal outro, like I said last week, where we list at the end of all the other episodes, resources, questions, and a benediction. But we do offer resources, links, and a downloadable PDF on our Kairos Partnerships website. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. We also hope that you'll join us by listening again to the conversation last week, if you haven't already. As we said last week, Doug and I ask very few favors from our Monday Morning Pastor podcast listeners. Sometimes we've asked you to email us or write a review, and we're really grateful for that. But we need to ask you a more important favor right now. Will you share this interview and this conversation? along with the website and the list of resources with other pastors, elders, and church leaders that you know. Will you pass that on to other pastors that need to hear this too? We're trying to help as many people as possible in this new economic reality. These are uncharted waters, and the map that we used in the past will no longer work in the future, which is why we feel so burdened to equip leaders and pastors around the country and around the world. We believe that Dave's wisdom and experience will help so many, but we need your help to get the word out. Please share this on email and on social media. We would be very grateful if you did that, and we want to thank you in advance. Enjoy this ever-increasingly important conversation with Dave Briggs. Hi, 
everybody. JR Briggs here with Kairos Partnerships. We're excited for another training video. This is about equipping and resourcing pastors and church leaders as we navigate this new economic reality with churches and ministries across the country because of the COVID-19 coronavirus. And uh, w welcome. We're really glad that you're here. And we really want this to be ridiculously practical for pastors who are saying, how do I prepare my churches for this? We know we're on the front end of this. We know this is fairly new, <clears throat> but by all evidence, it looks as though it's going to be lasting quite some time, even without us gathering. And we've seen early reports already of churches that uh, have gone online the last few weeks um, out in the West Coast and the Northwest part of the country, and they're already seeing some financial impacts. We want to make sure that we get ahead of this as much as we can to prepare you as best we can not in an alarmist way. We are not trying to alarm anybody, but we do want to prepare for what's going to be a difficult financial and economic reality ahead. So we continue in this conversation with Dave Briggs. In the first video that we did, we discussed practical ways that we can help people, all sorts of people, leaders, non-leaders, as they navigate the new financial reality in light of the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and so I want to give you just a brief uh, bio, bio of our, of our uh, speaker here today. Our expert, Dave Briggs, has been with Central Christian Church of Arizona for the last 10 years, serving as the stewardship ministry director uh, of their six campuses. That ministry that he runs is called Enrich, and he creates training opportunities, events, spaces, counseling, and teaching for people of all ages in the church. Uh, prior to joining Central, he was on staff for several years with Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area. And before that, Dave served for 27 years as a financial manager with General Electric. And he eventually was able to follow that passion to teach biblical principles that we're going to talk about today. He has a love for teaching and a desire to help train the church and church leaders to establish thriving and sustainable stewardship ministries, as well as help individual churches and leaders with this. He serves on the board of uh, Christian Stewardship Network. And he's created training videos and written articles for organizations such as Christianity Today and Dave Ramsey. Uh, Dave and his wife, Debbie, live in the Phoenix area. They have two grown sons, of which uh, I am grateful to be one of those sons. So thanks so much for joining me, Dad, here in this second conversation of how we might respond to the new economic reality of the coronavirus. Very good. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. Well, we had a great conversation uh, earlier to be able to help uh, equip people, but we want to make sure uh, that people understand that this is not any sort of legal or professional financial advice. This is uh, your opinion, and this is an opinion that I value uh, very highly, and it's very wise, but it is still an opinion, so we want to make sure people use their own discernment and discretion. But let's jump in. Um, these are exciting times for the church, but these are also somber times. And we're already beginning to hear reports of churches that are laying off or about to lay off staff, uh, unemployment rates. And so we want to respond in a way that's not reactionary or panicky or fearful, but is full of wisdom and courage and compassion. And so um, we looked at that for individuals. Now let's turn to churches. What are you seeing now, and how do you anticipate, Dad, this might impact churches, ministries, and nonprofits, at least in the next uh, season here? Yeah, well, it's it's obviously already made a big impact in a lot of churches. As you mentioned, some churches, including ours, 
um, have transitioned to entirely online church um, because of the risk of getting large numbers of people together. And so um, just in the last week, we went from 23 services on a weekend to one online service. And so that obviously brings about a tremendous amount of change. And if there's ever a time for the church to recognize um, opportunities for ministry, it is during this time, but it also is an incredibly important time for the church and church leaders to step up and, and powerfully lead through this situation. The people in our churches are, are looking to us to lead well through this. And so I think the number one thing that I would pass on to, to pastors is that this is a time where they're going to need to step up and lead like they've never led before, both in positive impact as well as making wise decisions to adjust to the realities. A lot of those realities are financial realities where just simply because we're changing the way we're doing church is going to impact the giving and the revenue and the money that we operate with. And the question is not, will it happen, but how is it going to happen and what are we going to do to respond to it? And that's really what we want to kind of give you some ideas. How can we lead better to adjust to the new financial realities and ministry realities that we're going to be facing for the next 90 plus days? Um, best case. Yeah. And here in March of 2020, we still feel like we're at the very beginning. This is the first week, as you and I are talking, the first week of kind of massive shifts that have happened the last seven, eight days, um, where it's really gotten serious on a national level. Um, with that being said, I think there are many churches, from my perspective, as I spend a lot of time training pastors and church leaders, um, many people are scrambling to, do, to think about two things. How, what do we do with technology and how do we do church online? And number two, how do we be a distributed church? Those are great things. But nobody right now that I have heard of, I'm sure there are others, I have not seen everybody in an exhaustive list, but nobody that I've seen is talking through how to prepare churches for the financial reality. And that's why you and I want to talk. That's why this is so important, because these technology pieces are important. Um, we want to get so that we're not just caught on our heels as a church. Uh, capital C here in North America, but that we're addressing this now, like this week, the next you know few days. Um, because if we wait a little bit, I think we're really going to be caught off guard here. So let's look at some of those ridiculously practical ways that churches can do this. In our first session, when we talked about what can we do on an individual level, you talked about the four different buckets of funds. Ben, you, you have also said that those four different buckets can be a great way for churches to think as well. So the first one is kind of macro. Help us think about the four different buckets on a, on a macro level. Yes. Um, first of all, we're naive if we don't recognize that financially this is probably going to be worse than we think. And the reality of that is that we are dependent upon the contributions and, and the tithes and offerings of our people and our people are being affected. Therefore, our churches are going to be affected. We've never been through this before. So we don't have any history that says that, you know, we, we have some guide as to how, how difficult it's going to be. 
So like you mentioned, JR, just because of the financial realities that individuals face, they're going to have to do their finances better and differently. Same thing's going to have to happen in the church. And so um, I suggest that every senior leader gather together a team of some well-respected, financially savvy people and create, call it a response team, that the senior leader is going to have to be significantly more involved in understanding the finances and be part of this response team to make some really important decisions about what is our church going to spend money on, when, and for what reason. And so my suggestion would be to develop three different scenarios of expected weekly revenues coming in. Scenario A, scenario B, scenario C, based on maybe a worst case, a medium case, a best case for the new reality of what our monthly giving is going to be. For each one of those scenarios, you're creating a structure of where we're going to spend our limited resources based on each one of those scenarios. So at the low end, you've got kind of the bare bones, what it's going to take. And then you add a little bit more as the, as the revenue increases. And this, and this is all just to clarify based upon not on the budget, but based on giving amounts that are coming in pure cash flow, correct? Exactly. The budget is out the window. Now, anything that you had a month ago is completely irrelevant now. Uh, and, and what you need to really focus on would be uh, the, the cash coming in and the most efficient ministry-based way to allocate that cash to do the most effective ministry under the conditions that we're dealing with. And again, this response team that we talked about is going to help you make those decisions. But as a senior pastor, the senior leader, even though finances may not be um, uh, kind of how you're wired, you you cannot you you cannot not be involved in that. You cannot allocate that problem to somebody else. You've got to be in the middle of that. So once you've got those three different scenarios of revenue, how do you go about determining how you're going to allocate that? And that gets to the four buckets that you talked about. And every expense that a church spends, you can go through the line item types of expenses in your budget, and you're going to classify each one of those as one of four buckets. Now, bucket one would be those expenses for which you have a fixed obligation and and cannot change. So if you're renting some facilities or you've got some specific obligations that cannot be altered, then that would go into bucket number one. And bucket number two would be those incredibly important items for which you have to have to run a church, but you have some flexibility into how much you spend and whether you can uh, push some of those off into the future. And unfortunately, um, salaries are in bucket number two. Very important that you have salaries to pay your staff but you may not be able to afford all of your staff. You may not be able to pay your staff 100% of what you have been paying. 
You may have to have some furloughs. You may have to introduce some ways to reduce um, those kinds of costs as being part of bucket two. Bucket three would be important things for which you have the flexibility to postpone them to the future. So let's say your sound system is a mess and you're getting ready to upgrade your sound system. You're going to simply put that off mm. or you're going to do some painting of the facility or you're going to replace some things. Um, you're just going to push all of that off, not because it isn't important, but because you've got the flexibility not to do it right now. Mm -hmm. And then, Bucket number four would be those things which are totally discretionary that can instantly be canceled, such as going to conferences and, and those kinds of, of extra things that you do to train your employees and things like that. Those get cut immediately so that there's no expenditure that needs to be made in the items that end up in bucket number four. I, Creating those different buckets allows this response team to go through and determine a specific strategy for how you're going to deal with each one of those, um, those different uh, buckets and develop a unique strategy that minimizes the amount of lost ministry while maximizing the, the benefit you get for every dollar spent. So that's very practical. And I, I love the fact of these four different buckets and you gave examples of each because I think people are saying, really? Well, it's all important. Well, that's why I sort of P1, P2, P3, P4. Yes, it's important, but there has to be a prioritization in the midst of some of this cutting back, right? Scarcity brings clarity, as I've heard been said before. And in this case, there's going to be scarcity. It's not a matter of will there be, but how much. And uh, we want to make sure we're not being alarmist. But the last thing we want to be is naive or that we didn't take this very seriously. So we want to no, trust God in this, but we've got to be wise. As we talk more, this idea of clarity is huge because, and, and, and this is very important, we can be unclear about that which we cannot control. We don't know how long this is going to last. We cannot bring clarity to when we're going to return to normal. But we must bring clarity to those things that we can control. Our people need to know the hard, difficult facts so that everyone is clear about that which is known. So your idea of providing clarity, I think, is incredibly important, especially for the senior leader. Yeah, yeah. Now, you and I both have heard pastors say, like, well, we're just going to get together and we're going to pray and God's in charge and we're going to fast and pray. And I'm sure this is all going to work out. Right. And so, you know, that's that's really hard for us because we believe that God is still on the throne. He's not shocked by any of this, but we have to be prepared and be good stewards of what has been entrusted to us. And I've been using this Venn diagram of this balance of between being hopeful and expectant, which we should be. And on the other side of being ready and prepared. And if we're just hopeful and expectant, but not ready and prepared, we're naive at best and maybe foolish at worst. If we're just ready and prepared, but we're not hopeful and expectant, it can turn doom and gloom and panic and fear. And that's where we need faith. And I, I think of the example of David before he goes out to, to take on Goliath, right? He tries to put Saul's armor on. He realizes it's not for him. And he says, the Lord has helped me in defeating a lion and bear with my bare hands. And I'm sure he will give me the victory again, right? Faith, there's the hopeful and expectant side. 
But what did he do? He went down to the river and he got five stones and he put it in his sling of which he was trained in. He was hopeful and expectant God would show up, as the verse says. And at the same time, he collected his stones and he, he knew how to do this out of his own experience. That was what is, was in his control. He had to go out on the battlefield with his stones and actually sling it, actually throw it. And I think that balance is really important in this conversation. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I read through the Bible, I, I see God essentially inviting his people to partner with him. Mm. And, and basically what he says is, allow me to do what only I can do but I expect you to do what you can do. You know, and and examples are, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he could have just said, step aside, watch this, and then given everybody a meal. But no, he he, he took what a little boy gave, and then he blessed it, and then he got the disciples involved in actually distributing it, not because Jesus couldn't do it on his own, but because he wants his people to be involved in doing the best that they can. And I think that is exactly what he's calling us to do as we lead our churches. Yeah. And some people, you know, there's that phrase that says, God has a hard time steering a parked car. And sometimes we can just get in the fetal position and just be in the back seat and go, do something, do something. He's like, I can do something, but get in the car and turn the car on. Get the car moving, and I'll direct you as to where you can go from here. So I think we want to be really clear. We're not trying to be alarmist, but we certainly aren't falling in the only hopeful and expectant category without being ready and prepared. And so we just want to make sure churches and pastors are prepared on that. I do think it's important too, as we talked earlier, that to remember and to to tell you pastors and church leaders, there are two types of givers at your church. And it's going to be important we understand this. There are going to be those who are regular tithing members. And because their income levels are going to be impacted, that they're going to tithe less. So that will affect it. They will continue to give But based on the percentage, as it goes down, their giving is going to go down. So we just need to understand that's one way it's going to be impacted. And the second way, as we talked earlier, Dad, is that people will cut back simply because they're scared. They'll just draw back and shrink back. And and we just need to realize that's how it's going to be impacted. There may be even a third category of people that come and simply the offering basket is passed and they put something in as almost viewing it um, in a very inaccurate way and an unhelpful way. But uh, this is my dues and I got to give something because I'm here. And therefore, if they're not coming to a building on Sunday, at least for the foreseeable future, they're not going to be giving because it's not really something that, they, that is a high priority for them. So I think these types of givers exist and we just need to be aware that we all will be impacted by this. Is there anything else you'd want to want to add to that reality, Dad? Yeah, as a lot of churches are not meeting, but they are doing online church, um, I think that puts an even greater responsibility on the part of the senior leader to communicate the importance of giving, not because the church needs the money, but because giving is an important relationship between us and God. Mm. And that may require us as senior leaders to over-communicate and answer the question, why do we give? Huh. And as you and I have talked about, Jr. one of my favorite sections that I would want senior leaders to become incredibly familiar with is the teaching in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and 9. Because what you see here are the early Macedonian Christians 
who were pleading for the opportunity to give in their poverty because they understood that giving was such an important expression of their love and commitment to God. And we may be needing to teach our people more during this time so that we don't fall into this mode of, you need to give because the church needs your money. No, giving is important simply because it's important in their individual relationship to God. And we can solve that spiritual issue and the resulting financial benefits from that if we start from the spiritual aspect and not from the financial aspect. Yeah, so it's an act of worship that we need to teach our people very clearly and maybe do some online teaching about giving, generosity, and stewardship. It is an act of worship. It is also a way that we not only love God, but the way we love our neighbor of being able to give generously. That was one of the marks of the early church. My goodness, they were, they were generous, not just in the book of Acts, but in those first few centuries when Christianity spread, they were generous when everyone else was really uh, drawing back and was really stingy. And I've heard Tim, Tim Keller, I'm probably going to botch it, but, but Tim Keller said, what's interesting is that um, in the first century, when people were stingy with their money, but liberal and loose with their sexuality, he said the church was called to be stingy in their sexuality and very liberal and loose with their money. And that's one of the markers that actually set apart this little tiny sect in the first century that exploded over those next few centuries, especially through difficulty on a level like we're, like we're seeing now. Um, oh, and to add to that, in Acts 2, it specifically says that the early Christians found favor in the eyes of people, mm. partly because they were selling their stuff to be able to help people who were in need. That, that, that their acts of personal generosity, because of their devotion to God, brought about tremendous favor in the eyes of even people who were potentially hostile toward them because of their acts of generosity. These are the kind of things we need to be teaching our people during times when, um, when, when we're dealing with difficulties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we tend to focus on how they devoted themselves to the teaching right at the end of Acts 2 and to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and prayer. All that's important. Everyone was filled and there were signs and wonders But all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to anyone who was in need. Again, we don't want to be alarmist, but that's how the gospel ushered forward these peculiar people who were generous when no one else was. This is going to be not only the survival of some of our financial churches, the Church of Jesus Christ will always continue, but maybe in a vastly different form than we think it does. But as far as our local congregations, it will be generosity that's got to mark us. But we can only be generous if we are doing the wise things of preparing ourselves and being ready. I love when you teach on the story of the Good Samaritan. We never see it through a financial lens. But talk about what the Good Samaritan did and how his generosity uh, came through. Well, the Good Samaritan, um, again, is, is, is one that everybody has, has heard many times. But I believe... There are some incredible financial lessons to come from the Good Samaritan. First of all, he was incredibly generous. He was he was generous with with his time and with his safety and with his uh, with his comfort. Um, but the fact that he was able to care for the one that had been robbed and beaten to actually pay for his stay at the hotel 
was because he had saved in advance and created a safety net and provided personal margin within his life allowed him to then exercise that generosity during a very critical time in the life of the one who'd been robbed and beaten. His ability to be helpful was intensified because he had been good with his money and had some left over uh, to, to, to be able to use in that way. That's a great example. And we talk about rainy day funds. I think the vast majority of Americans, when we talk about you know rainy day funds, we only think about us and me and my family. We don't ever think about rainy day funds for other people or other ministries or other organizations. And so what's interesting we see in that parable that's easy to miss, as you're saying, is he created a rainy day fund. Maybe it was for himself originally, but he chose instead to use that rainy day fund for other people. Um, unbelievable aspect I'd never seen until you pointed that out to me. And, and you asked the question, how much help could he have provided had he been a poor financial manager? Wow, wow. This is why this is so important, pastors, because if we're not good financial managers now, and we don't think about this now, even with the best of intentions, we can't support and give money to people if we don't have any. And so I think this is, this is really important for us to think through. And again, going forward, we teach people that they have three priorities with their money. Number one priority is to give and to be generous. Number two priority is to save for the things we're talking about and then live on the rest. I actually think that same formula works really well for churches, but I'm not so sure that churches actually set aside um, margin that can be used for uh, unforeseen things in the future. I think a lot of churches kind of live, quote unquote, paycheck to paycheck, which um, is particularly unhealthy at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked a lot about um, you know Second Corinthians 8 and 9. We've talked about the Good Samaritan passage. We've looked at the David and Goliath story. These are all good. We know these. We're pastors. But and we talked at the beginning about some practical things. Let's pull it back to even some more practical things. Like, are there any other things that you think would be really good for pastors to keep in mind? Even things they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours or in the next week or so. Again, not out of fear and reaction, but out of proactive preparation for what we anticipate coming for the next several weeks, at least. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I do think, as we mentioned before, that getting very proactive about staying connected with our people is, is very important. Um, as we go to doing online, we're all trying to figure out what online looks like, but online can't be something that causes our people to feel like they have become disconnected from their church and their church leaders. So finding ways to stay as engaged as possible and to determine what are all the ways in which our people, even though they're remote and even though they're, they're in their homes and they can't congregate uh, on church property on the weekends, how can we specifically keep them engaged physically? And emotionally and spiritually, so they they are still acting as the church, but in a different form. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the challenge for all of us is how do we how do we keep that engagement and that connection during a time when we can't physically meet on a weekend? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, we're going to have some resources, uh, some links that are available, some articles that you've written, um, uh, Christianity Today articles, some Dave Ramsey uh, articles that you've written as well. But I don't know if there are any other resources that off the top of your head that you say, man, that, that would be really good. I'd love for churches to consider this or check this out. Um, anything off the top of your head you, you'd want to recommend? Well, as we go forward, um, I think a lot of churches have not taken financial stewardship teaching in their congregations as seriously as maybe they they could. Uh, I think coming out of this, I would hope that senior leaders would recognize the importance of helping our people become financially and spiritually healthier because of the long-term and short-term benefits that that brings to the entire vitality of our church. So I would suggest as a senior leader that during this time you become more personally uh, immersed in what good biblical stewardship looks like and begin to develop a strategy for embedding that more within your people and within your congregation. Mm. Mm. And Christian Stewardship Network is an available resource. There are some of us that specifically make ourselves available to help other churches in this area. So if you want to go to christianstewardshipnetwork.com, you can begin to lay the foundation for bringing more of that into your church. Okay. Just as we close this conversation, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would want to make sure that pastors know about or are reminded of? Uh, we've pretty much covered most everything, but I would just reiterate again, this is the time when pastors need to step up and lead like never before. And just an encouragement that that pastoral leadership now is going to pay huge dividends in the lives of our congregation. And so pushing, pushing that leadership um, emphasis and thrust um, as you meet with your leaders and, and you, you grab the mantle of leadership, I think is going to pay huge dividends going forward during the next few weeks and months. Mm. Well, thanks, Dad. This has been incredibly helpful. I certainly have benefited from your financial wisdom over the years, but this is really important. We both felt to share this with as many pastors or as many churches that desire to be helped in this area. And uh, so really thank, thank you for your willingness to come on. I really appreciate it. Very good. It's great, uh, great being with you. Um, and thank you all for watching this. I hope this was really helpful, pastors and church leaders. We want to encourage you to share this with as many other pastors or ministry leaders, elders, leadership team members, finance, finance team members that you think would benefit from this resource. Uh, we also want to encourage you to check out the resources and the links that are below. Uh, if you'd like to, to go further with what we've talked about here today, uh, we will be releasing other resources in the days ahead. Uh, stay tuned for that and keep checking back on the website 
but at the same time, uh, you may want to refer back to our earlier discussion that we had on equipping people and maybe send that link out uh, to those in your congregations or other leaders that might uh, need that or desire that or benefit from that. So thank you for joining us.